So this morning I had a wonderful conversation with Jan from Fit Mind Happy Heart Coaching and we talked about her gratitude journal and why journaling is important and what it can do for you and, and why it really can genuinely be a benefit to you and change your life. And as well as coaching, we got into perception, empathy, uh, sports people. We even had a digression and went down the road of talking about Hitler, but not in the way that you would think. But it, it's a, it was a great conversation. I really enjoyed it, and I hope you do too. Good morning. Welcome to the David Watson Podcast. How are you? I'm very well, and good morning to you, David. Yeah, it's a fabulous day outside. Beautiful, sunny day. It is, isn't Yay. it? We had yeah. some heavy rain here in Ainsbury just briefly about an hour and a half ago, and now it's just blue skies and sun. Yeah. It's absolutely gorgeous. I know. Always makes you feel great when you see blue skies, doesn't it? It does, definitely. Most definitely. Especially as we were predicted to have a week of just lashing down rain, which would you know, be normal for this time of year. But, yeah, yeah, you know, exactly. We're funny... We're a funny breed in, in Britain that we're used to rain but don't like it. I know. And we keep talking about the weather. <laughs> As though it's going to change anything at all. <clears throat> Do you know, it's, it's one of the true stereotypes that really is. And it's like the British people really are obsessed with their weather, aren't they? Yes. Yeah. yeah. It, it's Doesn't not. get a lot of it. <laughs> yeah. It, it's not one of those like um, stereotypes. It's not really true. It's like, no, we obsess about the weather. <laughs> yes, we do. <clears throat> we do. And we it, do a constant <laughs> conversation no matter where you are in the country if, if you want to know just have an in to talk to somebody you know you can just say yeah. what's the weather been like today i've just got here <clears throat> or what's the weather yeah. going to be like tomorrow and then we're in we're best friends already absolutely <laughs> even more so than football yeah oh say. yeah yeah definitely definitely absolutely because it, and it is it, it spans across all generations nobody will ever yeah. be offended that you ask them about the weather no, no. They, everybody will have an opinion on it, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. for those international listeners, we are, Sorry. we are really are obsessed with the weather. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. We apologise right now. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. We, we're sorry that you don't understand our obsession. Uh, <laughs> one of oh. the things I really wanted to get into very like immediately was, because oh. it's available on Amazon right now, is your journal. Absolutely, yes, yes. I am so pleased that um, it's on Amazon. Uh, you never, I never thought I'd do something like that, but there we go. It's there, and I'm so proud that I managed to pull something like that off. Great. So, what, what exactly is it you have done? Because it's not just a journal, is it? There's more to it. No, no. So, I suppose journey over last X years has, has brought me to this point, like so many things do for so many people, isn't it? You know, there's, yeah. a, there's a backstory to it. But in terms of what this actually is, it's a, um, it's really a reflection and a gratitude journal. So I was trying to think, because I mean, everybody's gone through such a tough time in the last year or so. Um, and life is just, I think, more stressful for people generally. But this, particularly this last year has been so difficult. And I was thinking, so what does I, as a coach, can, could do to help people that is simple for them to access? You know, it, pretty much everybody can access it. It's not, it's not uh, um, expensive. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's very affordable. And I thought, what can I do to help? So um, 
I was thinking, well, you know, it's about positive thinking to try to get out of that doom and gloom that is very easy to get into, particularly at the moment. I thought, how can I help people to start looking for the good things in life? Don't focus on the stuff that you really don't like and you really don't want. Focus on the stuff that you really do like. So I thought, well, a gratitude journal is good for that because that really does help you to think about the things that are fabulous in our lives, you know, even if it's a small thing. And actually, what is a small thing? You know, the fact that today the sun is the sun is out and it's a blue sky. That's a big thing, really. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> you know, we take that for granted, don't we? But actually, it's a big thing, you know. You and I uh, spoke about, about that last week, didn't we, about our parents mm-hmm. and grandparents and just what they were grateful for because there was so little else. Yeah. And, and and in this world we're in today, we're immersed with so much, but our gra- gratitude levels have disappeared. You know, the more that there is this very strange contradiction that none of us seem to be able to kind of put our finger on the cause, but it appears to be the more that we seem to have, the less great, grateful we are. And Yeah, yeah, uh, you're absolutely right. I think so many people see feel the need to keep up with the joneses a lot of the time you know that they'll they'll you'll often hear people talking about their lives how busy they've become how hard it is how hard they work and there's no denying those things but some of that is self-inflicted because if you want the five bedroom house with the three cars and the hundred dollar days a year etc etc then that costs you know, somebody's going to want more than their pound of flesh for that. And so it's rethinking things sometimes to say, well, actually, is that making me happy now that I've got all those things? Has that made it any better for me? Am I any happier? Is my family any happier? You know, I'm racing around taking my kids to all of these clubs and I'm working so hard and I've got no time for me. Actually, am I any happier because of that? So... Um, I think focusing on the smaller things, as you said, you know, like our parents and grandparents, you know, they were happy to have food. You know, they were yeah. happy to, to have that. My dad, as he used to say to me, he, I mean, he, he was, came from a family that was poor as church mice. You know, they really were poor. There was mud in their kitchen. You know, it was packed solid soil. That's yeah. what it um, And as he would say, they would go to bed early to, to go to sleep to forget they were hungry that's how bad it was yeah then his mum would go out into the into the hedgerows and they would as kids picking nettles so she could make nettle soup you know it's stuff like that and it's when you think you know and yet he would say i didn't know i was poor everybody <laughs> else in the same. he said exactly that like everybody else was in the same position as me you know, he and his brother, because my dad was one of nine, had to had shared shoes and boots because they didn't have enough for all the children. So one would have to wear the wellies, the other one would have to wear the shoes, and then they'd swap. So, you know, and when they got bigger, they'd cut the toes out. Well, I because I remember that, as soon as you said that, I reminded me of a, a story of my nan, bless her, who, who's uh, no longer with us. And um, she, I think she was, by the time they'd got to adults, there were 13 had survived as children. So there was a few uh, that were lost um, sort of mm. from under the age of five, which was, you know, Southern Ireland. Yeah, well, and exactly. Anywhere in the world back then, you know, you're talking like the you know, 1910s, 20s, child mortality was high. Um, but they used to have to walk to the water pump every, every day to get fresh water. 
And that was about a mile from the, the small holding uh, where they lived. And they were lucky because they had a small holding. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but there was no running water. So off they went as kids with, the, like, you know, with their buckets, <laughs> filled them up with water. And she, she was so proud of the fact that they, ne- they never had no shoes. Not proud, proud, but it's just like, yeah. this is how easy you've got it. You have yeah. shoes. And she used to tell me this story. And I, I've heard this story a hundred times, you know, uh, if not a thousand. And it's typical of now she's not here. I wish I could hear it in her tone again. But yeah. it was, yeah, in the summer, they they weren't allowed to wear school uh, shoes. They only wore them in the winter. <laughs> and the other thing they used to do, because there were so many of them, because there was 13, and there wasn't enough shoes to go around. On a Sunday, there were two two masses at different times. And one would go in the morning and one would go in the afternoon so they could turn up with shoes on because th- there wasn't enough to spread about. So they were just grateful. And there was never only a conversation about having socks. No, you had yeah. shoes. You were shoes or bare feet. You know? yeah. And if you were wearing the shoes, a brother or sister wasn't wearing them. Yeah, exactly that. Exactly that. You know, my dad would give us stories of having to walk 10 miles to the doctor to go and get some medicine to bring back. And back then... The health service hadn't been no. hadn't been formed either, so he would have to go and pay for that. And as he said, you know, we didn't have very much money, so we had to be really sick for for <laughs> to afford to get us to have have medicine of any kind. You know, they didn't do cough medicine as such. And then my mum would actually say that, you know, those old Vicks lozenges they would be sweets, and they would be thinking, "Yay, great, yeah. we've got sweet." <laughs> I mean, it, it's crazy, isn't it? Because you know, yeah. like you said, we 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 can't place ourselves in those shoes no pun intended no. um no but because you, you're going back to a time where there was no ambulance if you were sick you had to find the money to go to a doctor yeah. and you're, you're already dirt poor so yeah. and then like you said you might have to walk 10 miles to see the doctor so yeah. you've got no money you're really you're so ill that even though you have no money you're going to go to the doctor and pay for some advice but yeah. you have 10 miles to walk there first. But you're that sick, you should actually... Yeah. So, and really, so you've basically got to walk a marathon to get treatment you can't afford because you're that sick, but you should be in bed. Yeah, yeah. And they were grateful. Exactly that. I think, And it's that perspective that makes you kind of think, actually, we are fortunate because some of those things that we take for granted... It's not that long ago people couldn't take for granted. You know, it just didn't happen. They didn't have the education that we have today. They didn't have social social support that's out there today. You know, there's certainly no complaint from that for me. I think it's amazing, you know, that we do have all those things. However, I think if you've not got that um, perspective to see that, you don't necessarily realise that actually how grateful we, yeah. we could, should be for all of these things, you know. And it's a collective thing. You know, it's not... Uh, we all are supporting other people, however much or little everybody does that through taxation. You know, yeah, um, absolutely. Absolutely. It's you know, it's you know, we, we. I think we're all we're all in a danger, myself included. Yeah, uh, of being cynical, and and I'll put it out there right now. I <clears throat> for I think the last twenty years, I've had a minimum of two jobs. So for mm. at least twenty years, I've paid basic rate tax on a second job. Right. So look, I pay my taxes, <clears throat> but <clears throat> so excuse me, I can be just as cynical as anyone else about wastage and yeah. you know, and how we spend it. I can be as cynical as anyone else, but 
<clears throat> do I believe that everybody should 100 percent yeah you know and when you course when you go down the rabbit holes of what's mismanaged and what isn't you're just getting into well that's my opinion my perspective you know <clears throat> um but we are we are so fortunate in this country so moving it back to your your journal yeah. um which for those that didn't hear the first time is available on amazon and yeah. And I will on the YouTube link, uh, the YouTube one. I will definitely I'll post a link so that people okay. can buy it. Um, what what is it? Because you mentioned about your journey to get there. What was that journey? Um, well, you know, through my entire life has uh, has gone through lots and lots of different chapters, like everybody does, I guess. Um, it's been reasonably eventful at times. Um, and last probably 10 15 years particularly eventful you know lots of those life events that they say will happen you know the top 10 things that give you stress i've probably done nine out of those you know so that that is what that's done with me is made me look at myself and say okay what what was your part in that can't keep blaming everybody else and yeah. you can't say where did you, what was that about me so of course that is reflect you know it's reflecting on yourself and it's learning about yourself so that's the other thing with the with the journal so it's gratitude but it's also reflection so there's two parts to it really there's the looking for the real positives in life because that's a great place to start you know don't focus on the other stuff focus on the really good stuff because actually there's loads of it around you you know um, and then there's the reflecting which is also about yeah, looking at an event or your day and saying, you might say, hmm, that didn't go quite as I would like it to. Okay, so let me think about that. What could I have done differently? So one of the things that I do in the, um, the beginning of, of the uh, book is to actually go through some tools as to how you might start to review things. You know, it's just a five-step process, essentially take you through through how you might do that because i think a lot of people don't really know how to reflect on that they just live in the moment yeah. you know it's face value and carry on but actually there's usually a story to something and how we are in the world gets reflected back to us you know is it was it the third is it newton's law or something i was only listening to something this morning which is about newton's law of physics which essentially says you know what you put out will come back to you yeah so something like that so it is thinking those things through if i'm if i'm behaving in this way or if this is what's coming back to me what am i doing that might be provoking that um and that, I think, is some stuff that I've done over the, for myself over the last 10, 15 years, particularly, is to look at, OK, what, where, did, where did I actually provoke some of that stuff? You know, I could easily blame, well, you did so and so and that wasn't very nice. But actually, what did I do here? I found that one of the probably most useful and in terms of personal development, one of the most prolific tools I've ever had is forget what happened yeah what was my place in it all what yeah. what was i doing that um had an impact on that and when i've done that there's a couple of things that have happened one is it can be incredibly painful to reflect on your responsibility in in something that happened like 
Oh, shit. Yeah. I, I did that. I permitted that. My, yeah. I may not. I may defend myself now and and say, no, nah, no, I was treated wrongly. This was this or this. It's like, no, there were red flags. Yeah, you, you were so desperate or so willing. You know, like such a willing participant. And yeah. then when it all imploded, you you just buried yourself in. I'm I'm a victim. This is unfair, and <clears throat> I'm I'm not excusing people's behaviour. I'm trying no. trying to recognise. Ah, uh, what did I do first? How did it happen? You know, and yeah. when I've done that, I realise that actually I wasn't just wandering aimlessly. Well, I was kind of wandering aimlessly down the path, but actually there were lots of signs. But I was just like, no, no. And then the blinkers went yeah. up, and I was just head first. And I can look at lots of things throughout my entire life that when I've done that. It's just like, oh, yeah, right. So, yeah, I, I did that to me. Or I allowed that to happen. There was ways to navigate it that it shouldn't yeah. or wouldn't have happened. And and some of that was also just understanding my my own vulnerability and why I was seeking perhaps validation from people or where those insecurities yeah. were that prevented me from trusting something or someone. Yeah. And... It's a kind of duality for human beings because I, I kind of, as a, you've probably heard of Richard Dawkins, you know, he's a very mm. famous atheist and loves to write books about it. And I'm not saying that I believe in everything he writes or even that I agree with him, but there is one of the books that he wrote was called The Selfish Gene. And it is something that I've observed, it, it probably in myself and others, which is around sometimes we can be incredibly selfish um and some of that relates to our survival so there is a, yeah. a mechanism you have to be selfish at a, at a certain level to actually survive as an organism because ultimately human beings are organisms um you know biological creatures that are programmed to survive and society has has softened all of that that says if you want to live in society then you need to behave in certain ways to be live and be accepted and live a reasonably harmonious life with others then you need to kind of soften some of that and these are the rules this is how you do that so you know some of this is our base our base instinct but we have to to be acceptable to ourselves and others we have to look at that and say okay that wasn't the best behaviors that i could do that i could have displayed here what what where did i where did I go wrong and what could I do differently next time? So that's one of the tools, you know, that I'm trying to support people with, you know, help people to to live a better life ultimately because they've begun to understand themselves and what triggers them. What, yeah. What's getting to you? Could, it's, it's, it is interesting because we are, we, we're just, you know, we call ourselves humans, but we're animals. And yeah. broadly speaking, and, and I'm, I'm probably taking some artistic license here, but when you look at the animal world, the more complex the emotional um, build-up of the animal is, the more chaotic their world is. Yes. You know? the, the animals that aren't known for um, self-reflection, self-identity, um, that don't demonstrate emotions or feelings outside primary instinct, have very yeah. ordered lives. Yes. <clears throat> but it's only when you kind of move towards mammals, yeah. um, some birds um, that show high levels of intelligence and connections to others, 
that their lives become more chaotic. And sometimes that uh, chaos is the seeking of approval or the loss of something which causes grief. Yeah, yeah. And we're badly um, adapted to it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, one of the other things that I, you know, experiences in life, I I sort of moved in, in a work environment. I'd moved from operational strategic management into senior HR, um, into coaching. And I've had the privilege of working with a lot of people and supporting a lot of people. A lot of my focus, if I think about it, you know, reflect on it, has been focused towards people and wanting to help them to get the best for them and in the work environment for their for the organisation that they work for. Um, and I've often observed people and, and needed to guide them and coach them in what was your part in that? Because especially in HR, you know, you're a bit like the dentist. People don't go to you because their teeth are fine. You're, they're there yeah. because it's not right, or the police, or doctors. <laughs> you know, you're there because something isn't right. So they've come to you, or you, the employer has said something's not right. Can you sort this out? Um, and sometimes the employer says, actually, can you just get them out? Because yeah, you know, not. and think can't quite do that. And actually, we need to give this person an opportunity to rectify things. So then I've had to get to talk with people to help them to recognize what it is that actually they've done, which is not helpful to them or, and certainly not to their colleagues. I do remember one lady in particular who really did not grasp, you know, how her behavior was impacting people. She didn't even come in and say hello to anybody in the morning. And I had to explain to her how saying hello to people in the morning actually introduced her into her work, into her with her colleagues and made them all feel nice and calm. And you think, gosh, I've had to explain that to somebody, but she really didn't understand that. And that's, I guess, to do with her socialisation. You, know? you see, I'm the sort of person that could happily work with someone like that. So <laughs> <laughs> like they come in and don't say anything. I'm like, yeah, it's fine with me. Do you know what I mean? it's, <laughs> things like that. I was, um, I went, water was off a duck's back. Uh, I was. I have a friend of mine who I did a podcast with, Tracy, and she is a tech founder from San Francisco. And one of the bases I was talking to her about how they built their company and the foundations of what the values that were important to them because this is possibly something that you talk about in coaching as well is if you can understand your values and why they matter you then put boundaries in place so they don't they're not crossed and that way you 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 tend to have lead a more fulfilling life if nothing else and one of the things that she was talking about was emotional uh intelligence emotional iq and they used to have this traffic light system which was like green amber and red so when somebody's like, oh, how are you today? I, I'm red, I'm amber, or I'm green. Okay. And and I was just like, that's so effing San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Because I said, you know what I mean? Where I am, so how are you feeling? Piss off and don't talk to me. I'm not in the mood. Yeah. <laughs> Good morning, David. How are you? Yeah, yeah. I, 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 and I agree with you. You know, in some circumstances, people really don't care. In this particular one, it was a big group of women. <clears throat> yeah. Who, a bit more um, complex at times when they're all working together, especially in a small physical environment, which these particular people were, and they were in a process. They were having to work through a process. It's incredible. So they found that really, really hard. Amongst many other things, there was lots of other things that weren't quite, well, weren't a lot right, really. But that, that in particular really wound them up that she just, you know, didn't say hello, didn't say goodbye. 
was very solitary human being and you know on one level that's fine it's fine to be yeah. solitary it is and it's but, difficult it's, it is difficult because when somebody yeah. when someone is naturally solitary they yes. don't have an awareness of, of the group requirements and it's no. n- not always they don't care they just it's not it's not how they think it's not the way their brain is wired to perceive the world like like you were saying with the richard dawkins things what you put out you, you'll receive well if you're solitary you put out a solitary vibe so your feedback is very narrow compared to some yeah, exactly and perhaps that, that's for them it's like great you know <laughs> i don't get too much impact and we have to accept that you know not everybody is the same but uh definitely that was you know when i was working in that kind of field you you know there's a lot of pressure to help people yeah. to conform to a degree because actually the employer just wants it all sorted you know we need you here to do your job don't really need all this faffing around and people getting upset just get on with it yeah get on with it you know i'm paying you to do a job get on with it and that is very often an attitude so so i i'm gonna chip in here because my previous bosses will tell you that i'm a nightmare for this because you will come to me and you'll be like oh you did a really good job no i did my job you didn't employ me to be incompetent you employed me to be competent and do my job and that's what i've done and I kind of understand, I'm getting better at understanding it, but I can, which is, uh, it, it, it's, it's a contradiction in terms, because as a coach, I can, I'm very uh, emphatic with people, I'm very reflective, I can very much see other sides of the, of the story. I, I'm genuinely good at it. But when I'm at work doing my job, it can be very black and white. No, this is my job. And I don't always receive praise well. Okay, yeah. Because it's just like, well, and I've literally said, where does it say in my contract I'm supposed to be incompetent? Yes, indeed. Right. So what have I done that's outside of my job? You employed me to do my job. Even when I've done really, you know, and I've done well and I'm doing worse. But is that not what you expected in my job when you did the interview? Yeah. Is that not what you hoped for? Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. The basic employment contract, exactly that, isn't it? You know, yeah. I pay you, you do job. Yeah, that's, that's that's at the heart of it, I guess. Having also, you know, been trained in HR, you learn because the laws, and then it comes down to court cases, and then what does yes. that actually mean? I.e., if you do this as an employer, you're going to find yourself in a court. It doesn't matter that X person was a nightmare you didn't follow the right procedure, which means you need to do X, Y, Z and all of those things. So I suppose my rough edges um, previously from sort of operational strategic management were then were then very definitely shaved off by the next phase, which was, you know, senior HR, because I learned I couldn't be like that. Not if I didn't want the co- company to keep ending up in courts. Well, this, you know. this is, yeah, it, it's been an eternal nightmare for all my bosses when I'm running teams. Because yeah. all of my staff will would have said to you at the first, you know, the first instant is that I can be very intimidating because I'm so black and white about everything. And the soft as my I have two case managers that have referred to it as fluffy bunnies. You've got to be fluffy bunnies, David. <clears throat> and that kind of comes down a little bit later. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Once we've got to know each other and I can be more relaxed about you do know what you're doing. And you're going to follow the instructions or you, you know when you whenever you're doing a job <clears throat> once you've settled into it but you don't need my input you don't need my instructions 
But mm. while we're going for that learning curve, it's very black and white. I don't want you to do this. I want you to do it at this level at this point, you know, which can be the complete opposite of how I coach, <laughs> which is a contradiction. Yeah. Interesting, isn't it? Interesting contrast, yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, it is, you know, uh, and maybe it's just because I, I work in black in, in roles that can be kind of very black and white. So, so to give some context, I, I work in head injury rehabilitation and I have to deal with families and stuff like that. So yeah. <clears throat> some things have to be very black and white, but then I might have to have a conversation with a person like somebody's wife. It's like your husband's never going to come back the way you think they are or somebody's, it's somebody's son or somebody's, you know, husband yeah. or, or dad. Yeah. So there's signs that it has to be very black and white because they need a routine and a structure and you have to follow that. And then there's times when I have to be very emphatic, uh, empathic, sorry, and, and be sympathetic and try and navigate a conversation where, look, and this is a head injury. It's not going to change. That person that you, was it your husband, your brother, your dad, your son, whatever, yeah. then they're, they're different now. Yeah. And and no amount of rehabilitation is going to bring that personality back. Yeah. You know? And that's hard news to receive, isn't it? As well as to give. That must be hard to give. It, it is. It is. But it's the advice, it continues for the whole, it's never going to stop because they are always deep down pining for the person that was there before. Yeah. So... Tough stuff. It is tough stuff, that, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it is. But <clears throat> I want to just move back a little bit again to the uh, the gratitude side of your journal, yeah. and and how that has that's helps, but either helps you or help, has helped your client with self reflection. Um, it's definitely helped me. Um, as I said, you know, life as like it is for most people. You know, it's a series of roll. It's a, it's like being on a roller coaster, isn't it? Sometimes <laughs> you're on a high, and then you're on a low, and then you're on a high, and then you're on a low. Um, and I mean, I've journaled on and off pretty much since I was probably about eight. You know, when you wow. met your mum and bought you those lovely little diaries of with that had the thing on with them. I love the ones with the padlock on. I had to have those. Those are fabulous. Love those. Um, and I've done it on and off for for many many years didn't know about gratitude when I was eight, didn't know when I was about, you know, 28, not really, but it's one of those things that I've come to. Um, and how it helps me is to be able to focus on things like that, to really realise that, you know, having a nice cup of coffee, my partner brought me a beautiful cup of coffee this morning, that yeah. he, as he does, bless his heart, you know, he, he does, oh, oh, you've got 11 o'clock, I'll make you a nice cup of coffee, he says to me, you know, which is lovely, you know, something like that, that somebody cares enough to know that you're doing something at that time and wants you to have something nice. But that's a, that's appreciation and gratitude that actually I have that in my life, that somebody does do that for me. Um, Realisation that, you know, the sky is blue, the sun is shining out there today. And despite the fact that we're in the middle of, pandemic which isn't fun for no. most of us it's really not fun i miss my family desperately as i'm sure pretty much everybody does um but somehow have to find a way through that and actually that's a good example you know actually we are going through tough times but there are still good there's still good stuff out there so i definitely deliberately try to find things like that you know and it could be like i've just seen a bird flying across yeah. you know i train myself to notice 
there's a lovely bird out there you know it's lovely there's a little robin that comes and talks to us in the garden you know the pigeons which annoys us but they still they still do it every day sit on the fence mess all over it but actually they're funny i looked at them this morning and they look like laurel and hardy just talking to each other <laughs> <laughs> it's things like that give you little pieces of joy and smiles and that's for me where it it kind of helps i think and so with clients i you know because they'll come to you with like i say people generally don't seek you out because it's all working well yeah you know they're, they're they're fine so they don't generally seek you out occasionally you get people who want to develop and you know develop more good stuff but more often than not it's people where things aren't going well so by helping people to see that actually it's not all doom and gloom, that there are lots of good things in their life. And it doesn't have to be things like nature around you, although that's a great place to start. It's also about the good relationships you have. And even in the relationships which might be a little bit fractious, actually, what are the good parts in that? Because there's rarely, it's rarely all bad. People, you know, I, I, I find it hard to think there's people who are all bad. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, you know, I have those philosophical arguments with myself and occasional friend about, well, was Adolf Hitler, Adolf Hitler a really bad person? Or was he sick? Or what? Was there any good bits to him? <coughs> there's, a, there's an interesting quote about Adolf Hitler. Oh, there's a few. But one of them yeah. is, people think he was evil, but nine million people voted for him. Yeah. Yeah. He, he resonated with a population. Yeah. Now, that is at one point and then obviously he went further down the spectrum and yeah. with that because of basically the, the mechanics of war we went into genocide and stuff like that but hitler at the beginning if anybody's ever studied his history he was a socialist he believed in yeah. people he believed yeah. in you know is but what turned him and what, what impact did the war have on him to kind of do what what he did and what he gave permission to but yeah. there's very little evidence that he uh, that he ever believed in that sort of thing to begin with it yeah. was how his mind changed as his power evolved yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i mean I, I i it's one of the basic tenets of coaching isn't it which is yeah. you know you have positive belief in people that their intent is always positive the behaviors might be weird the outcomes might be weird and not great but actually generally in their heads they have some positive intent yeah. it's a very difficult perceptive uh, perception to understand but adolf yeah. hitler thought he was doing the right thing by germany yeah i know and it's, it's a very difficult point to swallow but he didn't think he was destroying a country he thought he was making it great yeah you know and he felt the rest of the world which basically ganged up on him was was literally was the enemy <clears throat> and the way they fought was the enemy the same as Mussolini who sided yeah. with, you know there's all of these different factors and factions um which were never there kind of pre-1939 it all yeah. developed as a necessity due to the mechanics of war yeah yeah and it, as you say it's quite a difficult concept I think in in lots of fields particularly when you've got people like that to look at and anything yeah. because on the one hand you're being torn because you've been told these are evil people and that's what history has judged them to be it's when you're you know you're trained to do the things that we do is that you then question some of that and you look at it and say 
can that be true? I mean, for a very long time, I have questioned what is evil. Yeah. Is there such a thing? Or is actually somebody really, really sick? You know, that's the way their mind has worked. That's not a conversation you have with too many people because a lot of people will get quite upset about it. So it's one I generally turn well back from, other than with a few trusted people who you know are going to listen and and take part in in a... objective debate about it because there's a significant difference in there's an objective debate as opposed to i approve of their behavior yeah exactly an objective debate is understanding how you know but for a few degrees of separation we're not as far away from what happened as we might think or we'd like to to protect ourselves and going slightly sideways i was watching a a youtube program recently with um, eddie hall who was the 2017 world's strongest man and a guy called ross esley and Ross uh, Egley was Edgley, sorry, was the guy who a couple of years ago swam around the coast of Great Britain. Wow. <clears throat> yeah, a phenomenal athlete. And I also like him because he's five foot eight, the same as me. But he does these superhuman thing feats, which I don't do, but you know, we have one thing in common. And <clears throat> him and Eddie Hall, because like they both come across as the nicest people, you know. And Eddie Hall can be, he's like 19 stone and was the world's strongest man. You know, but Eddie Hall made a really good point that you can't be who they are and do what they do without being a little narcissistic. Yeah. And, you know, and by that, it's 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 all out. And you either supporting me or you're against me. Mm. And Mm. you really have to put that into politics. You really have to put that into world leaders. Yeah. And they don't rise and they can't lead if they don't have that little bit of narcissism that says you're either with me or against me. Yeah. <clears throat> it's just you can't predict what path that goes down. Yeah, it's interesting you say that. I think, you know, I can remember a time when it, a, a bit of an awakening for me, and I would have been, I'm guessing, early, very early 20s, because it would have been when the minor strike was on. You had yeah. Margaret Thatcher, and you had Arthur Scargill, who was portrayed as this horrendous human being you know is all out chaps and having been a teenager and younger in the 70s um i remember the days when you know three day weeks you you didn't have all of a sudden you had no heating you had no cooking because there wasn't enough energy going on and all of that stuff and so we were all thinking oh my gosh this is going to happen again in the 80s and arthur scargill was therefore a demon and he was portrayed as such really just this appalling being who was damaging the country etc etc i can then remember somebody interviewing him but about him and his just as a normal human being you know in his personal life yeah such a nice man and i just thought wow you've got this just totally opposite people that was a really uh, moment of awakening for me it stuck in my head how people can be different and then not just these awful human beings that are being portrayed there's something else going on well this is this is the thing because and if you ever whenever people if you look at top sports people when they're in the middle of their careers or the height of their careers or you know before you know long before they retired and you talk to anyone that knew them it's all or nothing yeah you know and they've spent their entire childhood and early adult life losing even if they won at national levels, they were always reminded in one way or another that they had to be better to achieve their ultimate goals. And nothing else mattered. And 
the one thing that's drummed into all of the most successful athletes, whether it's drummed into them or they understand it at the beginning, you are nothing unless you win. Yeah. And I remember Michael Johnson, for those that don't know, he was one of the the, the most successful 100, uh, 400 and 200 meter runners um, in the 90s and set uh, the 400 meter world record, which I think still stands, but I do think uh, Usain Bolt broke his 200 meter record. Um, but Michael Johnson and his coach had one philosophy. If we're not going to win, there's no point turning up. No. And he based his whole career on, if I don't win, there's no point me being here. You know, and mm. <clears throat> Daley Thompson, uh, yeah. the world's greatest ever decathlete, um, yeah. famously trained on Christmas Day because he said nobody else was. And yeah. how, how are you going to beat me when I'm doing stuff that you're not? But at what expense? To, to do I mean? But it's for, for, for all of those people, it's, it's all or nothing. But you take them out of that process, mm. uh, uh, out of that. And again, famously, um, s sports people who self-destruct when they retire because they, yeah. they no longer have an all or nothing obsession and they're now lost. It's like, well, yeah. now what do I do? Because I don't know how to do anything other than be obsessed. Yeah. And I remember seeing an interview with Bradley Wiggins' wife. I think her name's Karen. If I'm wrong, I apologise. And she said that Bradley Wiggins, the cyclist, is not the Bradley Wiggins that I know at home. The two are just different people. Interesting. And she says, and I, she says, and I don't know that person that you all know. Yeah. You know, I've paraphrased slightly, but that, that's kind of the gist of what she was saying. Is because yeah. at, at home, he, he's not that person because he's not on his bike, he's not cycling. But she also knew when he was focused on what he was doing, you didn't then try and take home into his environment. Yeah. You know, and if I think about how that translates into the non-super athletes and the non-famous people. Oh, you, you mean know, like I, you, you and I, the non-super like athletes? Like you and I, yes, absolutely. <laughs> Those, you know, it, uh, I, I truly believe that nobody wake, wakes up in a day and says, do you know what, I'm going to really mess my job up. No. Nobody waits up and thinks, I'm going to really do horrible things to my kids to mess their heads up, to mess with their heads. Nobody does that. You know, everybody has positive intent. It's just sometimes their behaviours get in the way because they haven't become, they're not yet self-aware. They don't notice things. They're not reflective. So that's, you know, taking it back to the journal and what I'm trying to help people with. That's part of that process is to help them reflect on their days but also to and their behaviors but also to become much more self-aware because when you do that you can change things for the better for you and then you begin to notice other people and what's yeah. going on with them and how you can enhance those relationships for the you know for the betterment of you all and, and it's got to start with you how, how would you suggest somebody gets into journaling well, obviously, buy the book. <laughs> My bad. Let me start that again. When once somebody's bought your book, right? See, so you can t you can tell I'm still at the amateur stage of my podcasting career. So we're just going to count this in, right? Ready? Right. So when somebody buys your journaling, how do you su suggest they start a structure to <laughs> continue and make it successful? Well, to start with, re it's about reading the first sort of chapter, which is me 
giving tools, explaining what journaling is about, giving tools to help, tools to, about how you can start to practice gratitude, to start noticing. A lot of that's about, it is about noticing. It's not that blinkers on, I'm not thinking about anything else going on, I'm just doing that. It's to start noticing. It's sitting back, being quiet with yourself and just starting to listen and look what what's going on what's going on with other people what's going on in the world because that's when you start to notice it's not it's not all doom and gloom it's not all negative out there actually there is positives out there so i would i would ask people to do that to start with just to get into the journaling is to get into the gratitude thing is to sit back and start to notice you know because we all get so busy in life don't we we're just busy yeah. busy busy doing things <clears throat> and people will often say when you ask somebody something they say oh no can't do that i'm too busy well actually it's your choice to do what you're doing you can actually change that you don't have to be you can give yourself time to do that it's noticing that you're busy because you've made yourself busy yeah. you can choose different activities so gratitude is comes from noticing becoming aware and noticing what's around you and by keep practicing it you become better and better at that awareness and noticing and then then you can start to understand well what is actually going on here because you're you're seeing all of these little dots all around the place and you're beginning to join them all up it's ah right so that's why that happened or what that's why that's a really good thing and actually i've noticed the rab the robin five days on the trot or i've noticed the pigeons do, doing their little thing i with the pigeons one of the things we do with the pigeons just as a slight digression from that is we have we do this little soap opera with the pigeons <laughs> them all around you know but doing things and we call we call them names and then we watch them you know because it's always about mating with them they don't stop they don't but, do they yeah no we see we say breed like rabbits in. it should be breed like <laughs> pigeons I know, but they're also they're also out there, and you know, and you see her. Oh, no, not now. Just just go away. But you know, we so we have this little um, yeah, we do this little soap opera, and you know, put words in their mouths as it were, which is just so fun. But that comes from noticing. It's just yeah. watching stuff going on. And one of the things I'd, I'd like to add to that for people that kind of hmm. there's a huge benefit for gratitude that I don't think people understand is. And it was something that you were talking about earlier. Was we tend to seek help when the world goes wrong, yeah. you know. And and just to go over something, you're right. Nobody gets up in the morning thinking I'm going to destroy my day. No, but it's it's not what's on your mind, right? No, but life happens. And then, like I say, then people seek help and they start to oh, I should be more grateful. And but the thing about learning to be grateful, which I think trumps everything, is that. When you're then having in a good place and you're still being grateful, the smallest things can just blow your day. They're just like, oh, wow, I'm having such an amazing day. And then when you get the surprise, the, the birthday card, the letter, you bump into somebody or you're going out with friends, everything is amplified because you're just yeah. enjoying it in a present moment. And I don't, yeah. I, you know, I don't like to get too much into the kind of being present and all of the like no like it's like the hippie stuff side of things but that there is a yeah. genuine tangible thing that you can hold on to that like, if you practice this in the bad times and then continue to do it in the good times those good times yeah. are really mind-blowingly good and you yeah. start to understand how great some of your friends are 
and you start to understand how good some of your relationships are. And the like you were saying, the, the dots and you draw the picture, not only do you start drawing a different picture, but the picture becomes three-dimensional and multi-layered. And yeah. you start seeing how, oh, yeah, once when I would have reacted like this, I now don't. Yeah. And, you know, and you start kind of doing that. You start, you, Yeah, there's just something about you start to appreciate how whole you can become and how much you actually yeah. have in your life. Yes. I always like, I liken it, I don't know whether you remember, Star Trek and Mr. Spock, and he used yep. to play 3D chess. Yes. And it's like playing 3D chess. You know, you start to see, actually, there's all different kind of moves. It's not just that thing that's just here in front of me. It's, it, as you say, it's multi-layered and multi-dimensional, and there's all these different things, and you see your part in it. But it is also about, it is all those fantastic things in life and as you say it just amplifies because if you train yourself to look for the good things that's what you'll see yeah it is when the when the less than good stuff happens which it inevitably does because nothing ever goes to plan 100 percent. so and just life happens there's things you cannot control at all there's just things you you will never be able to control so it's how do you manage yourself in the world and if you're able to see the positives to it if you're even in some of the really dire stuff and sometimes there is really dire stuff yeah but you find that then you will come out of that and then when you've got the really lovely stuff going on it's just even better isn't it because you've noticed all these other things like yay the world's fabulous out there today and i'm sitting with my best friend we're drinking a nice glass <clears throat> yeah. fit, or whatever it is we're having a fabulous time talking to each other i do think that's one of the kind of the positives that's come out of this year is when mm. people have been able to reconnect, they yeah. realise how much they've missed people. Yeah. And it, and it's just something that we used to take for granted, like literally, yeah, take for granted. And and then we, we you kind of reconnect with people, friends and family and stuff. And you, you just, it's amazing how much you realise you miss people. Even if you was talking on yeah. the phone and Zoom, just having them present in the room with you. It's just yeah. like, or being able to just meet up and go for a coffee or something. And yeah. it, it's, it's the, it's cliched, I know, but it's those simple things that, that lost their value. The currency of that, of something so, so simple as having coffee with friends, going yeah. around to see somebody, walking through the shops, whatever, just, it lost all its value. And currently we're, we're in this really good place where these things are high currency again. And, you know, I, I have, you know, I, I'm going to see some friends hopefully for Christmas, uh, for uh, Christmas Eve, um, but like I did last year. And we've already spoken about how excited we are and how mm. we're looking forward to it because it's just some normality. And, yeah. <clears throat> and it's suddenly become really high currency. And, yeah. And I think that is one of the few positives that's come out of this year is that value we have for just staying connected with each other. Yeah. As have hugs. You know, yeah. how everybody is missing hugs. How, how much do we take that for granted? You know, and I, that, I'm a hugger as well. I like to hug. Yeah, me too. And I so miss, you know, I've got my two, my boys who are, you know, both of them are taller than me. I love having adult sons, you know, and they give you that big bear hug when you <laughs> yeah. see them. Fabulous. Yeah. Fabulous. The best things in life, that. <laughs> it is. It is. My mum my mum says the same, do you know what I mean? Hugs from her sons are just like you say that big bear hug she, she, she loves yeah. it you know absolutely yeah. adores it and it's just moving it into is your website up now up and running now i'm still working on it still I've, work- I've had to train myself 
Yeah, I know. <laughs> building <laughs> a website, um, and I was having some technical problems. I was, anyway, I won't bore you with all that, but you'll know what it's like. You know, when you yeah. have to build it. It, yeah, yeah. It's not goes straight as you think it is. So I'm hoping that it'll be done this week or by the end of next week. See, you know. I've been lu- so lucky because I don't know what it's like because okay. I have a, uh, a guy that I coach uh, who's been on the podcast, a chap called Gid Sedgwick, who's uh, a musician and music producer and also does a little bit of web development on the side. So in exchange for coaching and some stuff, uh, he built me a website. Yay! <laughs> because I realised I was going to do it and I just realised I, 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 I just it's just... There's some skills you have to decide, is it worth your time and effort to try and learn? Yeah. Or can somebody do a much better job than, than, than your skill set takes? But for when it is up and running, where will people be able to find you? Um, it will be at www.fitmindhappyheartcoaching.com. Excellent. And yeah. the, the journal available on Amazon is called? It is called Gratitude Journal from Fit Mind Happy Heart, which is the name of my coaching company. And the reason it's called that is because I believe to have a happy heart, you need a fit mind. And that's where the coaching comes in to help you to, you know, to understand yourself, to get your mind fit so that you can have a happy life, essentially, and feel feel happy in here. I like that. I like that. And so as as well as the journaling. um, Yeah. What what recommendations would you give, you know, like the magic wand scenario? What would you suggest people do to start improving their life, to get fit mind, healthy heart? Um, I would say start your process of self-awareness. Definitely self-awareness and noticing. Um, some of that would be about active listening for a start. So, again, when I've worked with many clients, I've worked in the corporate sector as well as private clients as well on a personal level. Some of the things that I would start to get people to do is start to become self-aware because it is about you to start with. It's how you show up in the world, how you are in the world. Um, uh, underlying my business, I've got a model, which is think, thinking, being and doing how, and how you are in the world, how you think about things, how you be in the world and what you actually do in the world. So to start with, it's changing the thinking, becoming self-aware and and becoming aware of other people noticing them because by doing that you can start to understand what do i need to do better to to get a happier happier life how do i become happier and a happier heart and it all starts with you so self-awareness noticing active listening i'd say self-awareness noticing and active listening active listening yeah which is all the same thing really it's all about noticing yourself and other yeah and that's a great place to finish thank you <laughs> thank you that's been fun thank you very much oh, you're welcome great chat.